Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman, and I tell you, the Notre Dame-Southern Cal game, and really their seasons so far, you've seen examples of why people, particularly more conservative football fans, or maybe more old school football fans is a better way to put it, uh, will say things about, you know, defense wins championships. But particularly in the case of Notre Dame, we've seen why that's not necessarily true in modern football. Um, Notre Dame, of course, beats Southern Cal 48-20. to And the big reason why it was is pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, if you were watching that broadcast, you probably got tired of hearing um, the the hearing the broadcasters say um, uh, that the, the key to the game so far had been Notre Dame's, what was the phrase, pressure structure or something like that? I, I forget the exact phrase. There was a phrase they kept using in reference to the strategy that Notre Dame was doing to pressure um, Caleb Williams, but... Uh, it, it was true. I mean, Notre Dame, if you look offensively, Notre, Southern Cal didn't play a bad defensive game, which is weird to say when a team gives up 48 points. They only allowed Notre Dame to get 251 total yards. Southern Cal got 23 first downs to Notre Dame's 13 first downs. Uh, Southern Cal converted 6 of 13 third down attempts. Notre Dame only converted 3 of 10. Um... But the problem is, early in the game, uh, again, Notre Dame only had 251 total yards. But early in the game, that pressure that Notre Dame was able to put on Caleb Williams led to three interceptions that were just backbreakers. Um, it, it was just awful. First drive of the game, Notre Dame or Caleb Williams throws an interception. They gets returned to the Southern Cal 12. That's a Notre Dame touchdown. Then uh, Caleb Williams throws another uh, interception. Picked off at the 25, returned to the Southern Cal 2. That's another Notre Dame touchdown. Then the very next Southern Cal possession. Picked off at the at midfield 50 yards later. It's a touchdown. That's 24 yards. That's, that's 24 to 3 at the half. And on those three touchdown drives. Southern Cal drove a or Notre Dame drove a total of fifty to sixty four yards, an average of you know twenty one and change yards on three drives, and folks, that was the end. I mean, the it, you take those three, even if we just wipe that off the board, you know we don't say because there, but all the all three of those drives were still on the Southern Cal side of the field. We convert all of those to punts. Based on what went on the rest of the night, we have to think that Notre Dame might not have scored on two, let's say two of those. Well, now we're talking a 34 to 20 game. But we're also talking probably a, you know, a 10 to 3 score at halftime or something like that. It's more manageable. The game goes differently. The And the pressure was what caused all of that. Notre Dame sacked. Um, Caleb Williams six times, but it felt like a hundred um, because of the way Caleb Williams plays. He is a smart quarterback. There are some times that he got the ball away. They had eleven tackles for loss. Eleven, just a phenomenal game. Xavier Watts had two two interceptions, sixty one yards. Nobody had a great game 
really to speak of offensively. Audrika Stime, I, I would love to be in the Notre Dame film room and in the Notre Dame decision-making and see why they don't feature him more. Because every time I watch him, when he gets the ball, the averages aren't there. 95 uh, yards on 22 carries is is not quite five yards a carry. It's under five, and that's a lot of carries to not get even five yards a carry. But he had the two scores. He runs hard, though. This game was all defense, which is weird in a 48-20 to game because the teams combined for less than 600 yards of offense, which probably sounds like a lot, but in today's game, that's really not that much offense. Southern Cal only had 300 yards. There are games where Caleb Williams has 300 yards in the first half by himself, or at least when it feels like it. Um, But it was all about the defense. It was all about the pressure, the pressure that Notre Dame was putting on Caleb Williams that just completely flipped that game. It had him throwing the ball away, and once he got behind, he felt like he he had to make the plays to get out of it because his offense wasn't really, or his running game wasn't really moving the ball very well. They ran the ball 37 times for 2.8 yards per rush. Uh, It's 103 yards total. Again, sacks get taken out of that, but the sacks really didn't have that much yardage. I think it was only 11 yards lost on sacks or something something to that effect. Let's, Let's go to... Uh, well, I, we we won't know. Uh, Caleb Williams had negative negative eight yards. Um, so again, all on that pressure, that immense pressure that Notre Dame was putting on Caleb Williams. But we have to go back. All right, if Notre Dame can beat Southern Cal, why are they? Why aren't they in the national championship picture? If defense wins championships and and they're able to do that to the Reigning Heisman and a guy who was not, I wouldn't say he was the the favorite to win the Heisman, but he was still very much in the hunt to win a back-to-back Heisman. And how were they able to shut him down, but, but they're out of the national championship picture? And it's because the week before against Louisville, again, in a week, when they did very well for themselves defensively, only gave up 330 yards of offense. And there was a time when 330 yards of offense would have been would have been a big deal. But, you know, if we if we look over in the country, 330 yards of offense. Let's let's look at what that looks like um in terms of yardage. 300 if you gave up 330 yards of offense a game, you're right about top 30. Oh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The Texas A&M has the number ten offense in the number ten defense in the country in yards per game, and they give up two hundred and seventy-seven yards. Uh, you, you're down here in, in three thirty. You're talking about some of these NC State's not a bad defense, three hundred thirty-two yards a game. Um, Alabama. Big part of Alabama being successful and still kind of being in the hunt this year, despite looking rough early, they give up 292 yards a game. Pitt, all about all they have is defense, 323 yards. Iowa, 325 yards. So all of that to say, Notre Dame giving up 330 yards last week to Louisville in a game that we, we didn't talk a ton about really isn't that big of a deal. So... If defense wins championships, why is that such a problem? Because the offense couldn't do anything. The Notre Dame offense against Louisville, 
only had 298 yards, only 44 yards rushing. And then we go to the box score. They only gave uh, Steve 10 carries, got 20 yards. They just never established the run, only had 28 carries. Ten of those were Sam Hartman, I assume, running for his life. Um, and, and Louisville had five sacks in that game. Notre Dame's only able to get two. Uh, Sam Hartman lost two fumbles. He threw three interceptions. So because they weren't – but even though their defense played fine, because their offense was so pitiful, they lose to Notre Dame. Same thing when we go back a couple of weeks when Notre Dame plays Ohio State, right? Um, they lose 17-14. to 14. They never got their their run game established in the second half. Estime was good early, but they only had 351 yards of offense. And so it's funny. That's their best offensive in terms of yardage, 175 yards passing, 176 yards rushing, not bad. In these big games that we've looked at, that's one of their better offensive outputs for Notre Dame. But they only had the one touchdown. They had no turnovers, but it was just inability to to move the ball consistently and string together drives and put points on the board. Um they didn't get the big stop when they needed it. They didn't have the right guys on defense. And because they just couldn't string anything together against that Ohio State defense, because their offense wasn't high-powered enough, they're not in the national championship picture. And it's all because of that, you know, leaning on that defense is is a uh, it's a double-edged sword. And it's weird because coming into that game against Ohio State, offense was kind of their thing. You know, if we if we look at Notre Dame's schedule coming into that, offense had been that you know they weren't playing anybody, but they've scored forty two on Navy, fifty six on Tennessee State, forty five on NC State, forty one on Central Michigan, and since then until Saturday night, it had been seventeen, twenty one in a win over Duke, twenty in a loss to to Louisville, um, and the offense. So again, the def the defense that they that they've leaned on so heavily is, is kind of what what the the fact that they lean so much on their defense and haven't s- always had a coher- cohesive plan on offense because again when they're at their best in all of these games because I've watched a good bit of Notre Dame over these over this last month I didn't watch much of the Louisville game but I watched a good bit of the Southern Cal game watched a good bit of the Duke game and I watched a good bit of the Ohio State game and when they're at their best it's because they're leaning on Adrika Estime and then it opens things up for Sam Hartman in the passing game because while Estime may not be the flashy 7 yards a carry uh leaving everybody in his dust for a 70 yard touchdown run although he has a couple long runs this year he's a sledgehammer he reminds me a little bit of the way Nick Chubb was early at Georgia when uh you would be Early on in the game, it's three yards and it's four yards, and it's oh man, it's you know the running game just won't get going. But he's just hitting the defense with a sledgehammer, and it takes so many guys to bring him down that by the fourth quarter he's he's racking up six seven yards. He's putting he, he's putting the defense on their heels, and they're having to do so much to load up against that in the middle that the edges come open for the receivers, and for the quarterback to get loose on the edge and and get some yards. So, um. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Southern Cal is a study in why you need some defense, um, why you need to be able to make some plays on defense because they just couldn't get stops. Even though, again, the the yard the numbers weren't terrible for Southern Cal in that game defensively. 
the the defense. I mean, the, we talked about it earlier. There were twenty one points on the board, or there, especially fourteen of those points. You know, they gave up forty eight, but fourteen of those points were on the board. And they had only given up 14 yards. It was a 12-yard 12, 12 drive and a 2-yard drive. Um, then late in the game, you had a 99-yard kickoff return. That was a real backbreaker. Southern Cal had just kind of in the fourth quarter flipped the momentum, uh, driven down. It was 31-20 to 20 with nine minutes to go. It seemed like they had it. Um, they had wrestled the momentum back because in the first score of the third quarter was Marshawn Lloyd on a 31-yard touchdown run. Caleb Williams out in front of him, you know, I don't think he actually blocked anybody because by the time he got out there in front of him, the, the lane had opened up a little bit. But Williams is option play, and he's escorting him down the field like I remember the Titans and um, cuts it to 24-13, and then they they let Notre Dame score. But then early in the fourth quarter, they cut it to 31-20, to and it's like the announcers kept saying, Southern Cal has a chance, right? Southern Cal can – uh, can get in this game and immediately 99-yard kickoff return by Jadarian Price to make it 38-20. to And the, Notre Dame did score 10 more points from there, but it, but it just felt over already. And then there was a, a fumble return recovery late in the game. Xavier Watts recovered a fumble and in the end zone, and, and that was a that made it 48-20, to and that's, that's the ball game. Um, so, but, but again, it was over already. So, We've got 28 of those points. It's 48 to 20, but 28 of those points, the Notre Dame offense only had to do, only had to touch the field twice for 28 of those points. And um, 14 and fourteen of those, they didn't touch the field, at, and, and the, the total yardage was 14 yards. You want to go even further, you got 35 of, the, of, of Notre Dame's points, went on the board, and there were only 64 yards of offense in those 35 points. So, it, it, Southern Cal, that's, that's what sucks for Southern Cal is, is all year it's been when they don't play defense. This game, the defense played fine. But they're not going to get credit for that because the total points goes against the defense. Um, so, anyway, just a case study. And, and, and I've talked for way longer about that game than I meant to. But it was just it was just very interesting in where this season is. I do think what's funny, or, or, or it's funny to me, because Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference and because they've already lost two games, one to Louisville and one to Ohio State, they are completely out of the playoff mix. Um, even though they've beaten Southern Cal, they might beat Clemson. Uh, they, they've got the, they're, just, they're not going to be able to do it. A two-loss team that doesn't play for a conference championship is not going to make the playoffs. If we see a two-loss team make, uh, make the the playoffs in in the four team format. Of course, this is the last year of the four team format. But if a four team, if a team is going to make it this year, um, it's going to be a two loss team that wins their conference. Um, not Clemson. Uh, I'm trying to trying to find a, a team that's already got two losses that that's a candidate to to maybe do that. Um, Probably LSU would probably be our best our best bet. They they've got two losses: one to Florida State, um, one to Ole Miss. Right? That that's who beat them. Let's double check that. I think that's right. Yeah, one to L- one to Ole Miss, one to um, Florida State. If they can somehow, you know, they beat Alabama, uh, they get somebody else to beat Ole Miss, and 
and somehow LSU is the team that represents the West and they win the SEC, they've got a chance just because they would have the good win over Alabama. They would have other good wins. They would beat Georgia or the team that beat Georgia. They will have beaten, um, uh, let's see who else they've got. Uh, they will have beaten a good Missouri team on the road. They will, uh, they'll have a win over Texas A&M or Florida, and who knows, one of them might be ranked by then. So, um, LSU is the kind of team, but Notre Dame's done. Southern Cal's not. Um, they've they've got a very tough schedule ahead of them. The the toughest parts of their schedule are ahead of them, but their path isn't over. Um, so run over some of the other scores. Georgia had a little trouble with Vanderbilt. It's 37 to 20. The game was never really in doubt. They just never put it away the way uh, you would want them to. By by half, I mean seven seven at the end of the first quarter, but it was twenty four to seven at halftime, twenty seven to seven at the end of the third quarter. The closest it got, it was ten points uh, with about three forty to left in the first half, and it never got closer than thirteen. After well, it did get thirty to twenty with six fourteen to go. So they just never quite put them away, but they lose Brock Bowers to injury. That's the biggest thing. Uh, but Carson Beck, a fine game, 29-39, 261 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He did have a r- rushing touchdown as well. Uh, Dejon Edwards, 20 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Still the bell cow for them. Love it. Let them with receiving. Uh, Michigan beats the brakes off of Iowa, or Indiana, excuse me. Ohio State beats the brakes off of Purdue. Florida State beats the brakes off of Syracuse. That was like the four-pack of, of top four teams. Alabama sneaks out another win against <clears throat> Arkansas. Um, and <laughs> just gets it done on offense. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. They got it done on offense, both sides of the ball. Uh, Jalen Milrow, not a great completion percentage, 10 of 21, but 238 yards and two touchdowns. Also had a rushing touchdown. Jason McClellan, 16 carries, 83 yards. Roy Dale Williams, 7 carries, 68 yards. Uh, Jam Miller, 4 carries, 40 yards. So they're getting the ball mixed around to the rest of the team. Good on offense. K.J. Jefferson, decent game, 14 of 24, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Ran the ball 14 times for 26 yards. So Alabama stays alive. They, they're, they're still technically in the hunt for a national championship. I think they've got some losses coming, but they've righted the ship. I mean, if the offense had played these last couple of weeks the way it played in those first two or three games, they would probably already have four losses. I mean, they because the, the – it was just putrid, and, and they've they've come around. Utah gets the win over Cal, 34-14. Penn State beats UMass, 63 to nothing. I don't know how Penn State is still playing UMass in October, but, hey, they did it. Washington with the massive win over Oregon. I was unable to watch this. I, I went and ran a race, uh, a 5K Saturday morning uh, back in my hometown and uh, or near my hometown, and then uh, was on the road for a lot of this game. But Michael Penix Jr., on a day when um, – I did watch uh, the last couple drives of this game, or, or, or a couple drives late in this game. But in in a game, or in a uh, on a day when Caleb Williams kind of basically exited the Heisman race. I mean, he's still going to be talked about, and he might even still be a finalist because he's the reigning Heisman winner. And I assume he'll bounce back from Saturday and have a great few games. But if you listen to this podcast, you know that the, those spotlight games and Notre Dame is old, especially this year was a spotlight game. Um, and what stinks for him is that if Southern Cal comes out and beats Notre Dame by 20, I don't know that it is a spotlight game. It was a spotlight game because Caleb Williams played so poorly and they lost. And that it's hard to overcome that. Ask Leonard Fournette. Um, 
he had a spotlight game against Alabama and just absolutely disappeared. The Alabama defense swallowed him up. And he, other than that, if you just look at regular season numbers that year, he was just as good as I think that's the year Derrick Henry won. But it doesn't matter because that game, I think it was Derrick Henry, blew up and Leonard Fournette did nothing. And that was the end. That was the, it, it, He never had a chance after that. Michael Penix Jr., though, steps up in the spotlight. 22 of 37, 302 yards, four touchdowns. Dylan Johnson also rushes the ball 20 times for 100 yards and a touchdown. Bo Nix didn't have a bad day. 33 of 44, 337 yards, two touchdowns. It's like a, that's, a seven, that's a 75% completion percentage. Uh, ran the ball seven times for 14 yards. Uh, Bucky Irving also had a good game, rushing 22 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown for Oregon, flipping back over to Washington, uh, Rome Adunze, eight receptions, 128 yards, two touchdowns. Also, Jalen Polk, six catches, 118 yards, and a touchdown. So, both of those guys stay in the Heisman race. Washington takes the edge in the Pac-12 standings, um, but also uh, takes the edge in the playoffs. I mean, I, I think this is a team that when, when the first playoff rankings come out in a couple weeks, um, right now they're outside of the top four in the AP poll, they are fifth, but I think that's a team that we'll see in the top four in the in the first playoff rankings whenever they come out. Um, big crucial plays late in that game. I'm a, I am not sure how. Oh, I know exactly how it happened. It was again play calling and people associated with Oregon. So Oregon gets a huge stand, huge stand. It's thirty three to twenty nine Oregon. Washington gets the ball. It's first and goal at the eight, then second and goal at the one, then third and goal at the two, and then fourth and goal at the Oregon one. Oregon stands up tall, gets the stop. Oregon, and that's with 6.33, they get the ball. The offense drives out to midfield. Fourth and three at the Washington 47 with two minutes to go, a little, little over two minutes to go. You've got to punt that ball. And I am not somebody who is normally conservative. I'm normally on these kind of plays, go for it. Because in that situation, you can step on their throat. You can end the game. You get four, 3.1 yards in that situation. You win the ball game. And it's over. With two minutes to go, the ball game is over. You're going to milk the rest of the clock. They're not going to have time. But when you don't get it. Now, all Michael Penix Jr. has to do is go 44 yards. Or 40, 53 yards, whatever it was. And they do. Um, two passes. One to Polk, one to Adunze. It's a touchdown. Fortunately, that left Oregon with enough time to get down. It's 36-33. Bo Nix leads them all the way down. 43-yard field goal missed as time expires. But again, I just I I if I'm in that situation and I'm up four. Now if I'm up three, yeah, I think you I think you might have to go for it because all they need is a field goal. Yeah, you just feel like no matter where you give them the ball, they'll probably get into field goal range, especially if that's all they need. But they need four, they have to score a touchdown. Make them drive the whole field for that. That that felt like a mistake to me. Um but big game, huge game, huge win for Washington. You know, where we've been talking all season about those Pac-12 teams, and right now Washington is is at the lead of that pack. But we know because of the way those standings work and the way that championship works this year, the other teams will have a chance. Oklahoma State knocks off Kansas, 39-32. Pitt knocks off Louisville. Louisville just can't continue that good momentum from the Notre Dame win. Arizona. Arizona's a team that, you know, and it's, it's odd to say this now because um, – 
Southern Cal lost. But I, I had people talking about, well, you know, Southern Cal had to go to triple overtime with Arizona. Well, the week before, Washington only beat Arizona 31 to 24. Um, and Arizona just never gave up. And then they never gave up against Southern Cal. And then they beat Washington. So they've played Washington State. So they've played three ranked Pac-12 teams in a row. They lost a one by seven, looking like the best team in the conference right now by seven. They lost to Southern Cal by two. And they and then they beat the absolute tar, 44 to six out of Washington State. Um total yardage there is is impressive. Uh the quarterback for Arizona, Noah Fafita, 34 of 43, 342 yards, somehow has no touchdowns passing. Um, rushing, Rayshon Luke, 10 carries, 71 yards and a score. Jonah Coleman, 11 carries, 70 yards and three scores. DJ Williams, 12 carries, 37 yards and a touchdown. Um, Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Arizona or for Washington State, 22 of 30, 192 yards, threw a pick. He also ran the ball eight times for four yards, holding that Washington State offense to 234 yards is incredibly impressive. They have been throwing the ball all over the yard against everybody, and so to hold them to less than 250 yards is incredibly impressive. Arizona is going to scare the bejesus out of people for the rest of the year. LSU handles Auburn 48-18. to uh, North Carolina beats Miami 41-31, Miami continues their skid. Mizzou knocks off Kentucky 38-21 in a result that a lot of us, including myself, saw coming. Uh, they just look really impressive. Only loss on the year is, is to LSU. Uh, Brady Cook, 19-29, 175 yards, touchdown and a pick. Luke Bauer also threw a touchdown pass, 39 yards. Um, Brady Cook also caught or ran the ball 10 times, 40 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so Missouri gets the big win over Kentucky to kind of add, continue to add that mystique to that matchup with Georgia. Uh, UCLA, Oregon State knocks off UCLA 34-26. to Let's do a DJ Wungalale check. Uh, how did he do this week? 14-24, 266 yards, two touchdowns to keep uh, the Oregon State hopes alive. They've only got one loss. Uh, and then Duke beats NC State 24-3. Let's take a quick break and then we'll spin it forward to week eight. All right, folks. Uh, one of the benefits, you just heard me slap, making a noise, slapping furniture around here. Uh, like a lot of Saturdays, now that uh, during this era, the big noon kickoff on Fox might be the best game of the day. You've got Penn State, you've got Ohio State. I think, now this is going to be unpopular. Right, I think Ohio State is a four and a half point favorite at home, but there are going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you that Penn State is the better team here. Uh, Ohio State has not really gotten their legs under them on offense, is what they'll say. Cal McCord has more passing yardage than Drew Aller. All right, Travion Henderson is only nine eighty yards behind. Um, Penn State leading rusher, Catron Allen, uh, but he's he's got about half the carries. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the best receivers in the country, just now getting going. 31 catches, 604 yards, five touchdowns. I think Ohio State wins this. They are a 63% favorite on the little ESPN matchup predictor, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, 
I like Ohio State in this game. I, do I like them? It's close enough that I don't know that I like them enough um, to even even four and a half. I, they might win by three. So I, I wouldn't bet on them. I wouldn't bet your money on them. I definitely wouldn't bet my money, but I'm sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm probably not even betting your money on it. But um, I think Ohio State wins this game because I think, unlike in the past, in the past they've had, you know, for the last, gosh, decade maybe, they've had teams where the offense was so good and they just never could get the defense figured out. And they would lose games because they could not stop the other team. And when they ran into a Michigan that could slow down what they do offensively, they couldn't return the favor and they get blown out. This Ohio State team's a little backwards. The defense has been good. And the offense ha- has needed some, some time. But it seems like they're coming around on offense. They scored 41 on Purdue. They scored 37 on Maryland. So after only scoring 23 against Iowa, and then you skip the – even Youngstown State, they only scored 35. Um, you skip the Western Kentucky game. They scored 63. You know, they only scored 17 against Notre Dame. And and if it weren't for Notre Dame managing to only have 10 dudes on defense for a couple of plays, they might have lost that game 14 to 10. But last couple weeks, they figured it out. 37 to 17 over Maryland, a good Maryland team, and 41 to 7 over Purdue. I think what's starting to happen is they're starting to figure out an offense, and that's to me, that's got to be scary for anybody who plays Ohio State. And then down the road, for anybody looking at Ohio State in a potential playoff, is that this is a team that has a defense, that has a defensive identity. They've been very good, and now they're figuring out an offense. That could be scary. I like Ohio State in this game, even though Penn State is very good, and it wouldn't absolutely shock me. Like You heard me say it. I, I only I don't even feel comfortable taking Ohio State as a four and a half point favorite. So, if I'm betting the line, and I'm not going to bet the line, but if I were, I don't even feel comfortable taking that line and taking Ohio State. But I do think Ohio State wins. Um, Oklahoma against UCF. I thought UCF would be a little better this year than they are. They're currently three and three. They've lost all three of their conference games. I, I was pretty high on them. I thought they might be. Uh, I think I had them 11-1, and that's obviously not going to happen, but they've lost to Kansas State, lost close to Baylor, got the brains beat in by UC, by Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Kansas. Oklahoma, big old favorites in this one, um, as they as they should be. They've looked really impressive. They win 19 – they're 19-point favorites. Um, Air Force is a ranked team now. They're playing Navy. Uh, Oregon has Washington State. Good bounce-back game for Oregon. Um, especially if the defense can just do what they've done all year and, and control Washington State. Oregon is a 20-point favorite. I think they cover that at home. Here's a big one, Tennessee-Alabama. Tennessee, a uh, little bit confusing early in the year. They, they took an early loss that not a lot of people saw coming to Florida. Just looked putrid in that game. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot on offense last week. They won 20-13 over Texas A&M. Uh, this this is an intriguing game because while Alabama has seemingly found something on offense, the last couple weeks they haven't scored a ton of points. And Tennessee is a team that can, if they can get clicking on offense, uh, find a rush, running game, they can put a lot of points on the board. You, know, you talk about Alabama, they've had some big wins, some important wins, but they did score 40 on, against Mississippi State, but they scored 24 against Ole Miss. That's not a defensive juggernaut. Uh, they scored 26 on Texas A&M, which is kind of impressive. They scored 24 against Arkansas, and Arkansas is nothing special. So, uh, Tennessee, Alabama continue. I don't want to talk about Alabama so much every week, but they continue to be fascinating because they're winning, 
and they look better, but they're not scoring enough points for me to think that they can just go out there and win a win a track meet with Tennessee. If Tennessee's offense gets going, they're going to win this game. Uh, Alabama's a pretty big favorite. They're nine-point favorite. I, I might take Tennessee on that line. I, I don't want to necessarily pick against Alabama, but I'd – if, the, if Tennessee can get things going offensively and Tennessee can score 35 points, which isn't completely out of the realm of possibility, I don't know that Alabama can keep up with them because um, Tennessee gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And if they can get some pressure on the quarterback and make Jalen Milrow make some mistakes, I, this is an interesting game. This Every game for Alabama, until we see them either – completely collapse, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. It seems like they found themselves. Or until they just go out there and hang 45 on somebody, every game for Alabama is going to be interesting because they've got Tennessee this week, uh, and then they're not completely out of the woods. I think they've got a couple more that are interesting. I know they've got LSU looming. Yeah, so they got Tennessee this Saturday. Then they have the next Saturday off. Then they've got LSU. Then they've got Kentucky. And then they close the year with Chattanooga and Auburn, which both should be wins. And and truthfully, Kentucky should be a win too. But they've still got LSU and they've got Tennessee. And these are two teams that presumably they they might have to score some points and they just haven't done that. And and maybe maybe the reality is that that the coaching staff feels like they haven't had to, so they haven't unleashed some things. But I don't know that Tennessee and LSU in two weeks are teams that Alabama is going to be able to – we're just going to run the ball and then take deep shots, and sometimes those deep shots are going to connect, and we'll we'll score deep. You know that that's how we're going to balance. We have no real mid range passing game. We're going to run and we're going to throw deep. That seems to be their plan, and it works. Um, but we'll see if they can do that when they need to score thirty, or when they need to score thirty five or forty. Uh, Missouri has South Carolina. South Carolina that got the coach so mad he's kicking stuff and breaking his foot or whatever. Uh, I think Missouri wins that one big. They're seven-point favorites. I, I like them even bigger than that. Tulane plays North Texas. Uh, Minnesota is at Iowa in a game that I will not be watching at 3.30 on NBC. Uh, I'll be watching anything but that. Probably Tennessee-Alabama. You could you could pay me to watch Minnesota-Iowa, but you'd have to pay me an awful lot. Um, Iowa is 6-1, and one, and nobody wants to watch them. <laughs> Uh, uh, my friend Jamie Cheek of the uh, View from the Couch podcast, primarily Georgia, but also talks a lot of college football. They were supposed to score 325 points this year or, or somebody's losing their job, and they're not going to get there. They only scored 24, 20. They did score 41 on Western Michigan, then they scored nothing against Penn State, and then they scored 26, and they scored 20, and then they scored 15 uh, in a slow-pitch softball game against Wisconsin last week, 15-6. to six. Um, or a couple weeks ago. I don't even care enough to look at what date that was. Um, Texas has Houston. That's a good bounce-back game for them after, you know, they took the loss to um, Oklahoma. I think they had a bye week last week. Yeah, they had a bye week last week, so this would be a good bounce-back game for them. They're still in the top ten. Everything's still in front of them. Like we talked about, just win. They win. They'll be in the Big 12 championship game, probably against Oklahoma, and I think the winner of that game stands a good chance to be in the discussion for a playoff spot. And if it's Oklahoma, if Oklahoma's undefeated, they go. Um, North Carolina has Virginia. Ole Miss has Auburn. Michigan has Michigan State. These all should be wins. Florida State-Duke is a game that was going to be really interesting a few weeks ago. Uh, But with Riley Leonard out, I just don't see it. Um, I don't see a path for Duke to win this game. Um, Maybe. You know, uh, maybe that, that Duke defense is good. 
We saw that against Clemson. We saw it against Notre Dame. That Duke, that Duke defense is strong. But I just don't know that without Riley Leonard, they've got the ability to uh, to, to hang with Florida State. I think Florida State, they're a 14.5-point favorite. I think they probably cover that. LSU has Army. Utah Southern Cal could be really interesting. Um, USC has a 7-point favorite at home. Utah has been a stumbling block for them. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to come out with a, with his hair on fire, and uh, we'll see if if he's a different man. Because those three picks, you know. I mean, I don't know how much Caleb Williams has slept in the last week. Um, because I, I just don't – I don't know how you get over a game like that. I think you almost have to um, just reset. and re- Utah still seems to be without Caleb Rising. Um so, Southern Cal is a seven-point favorite. I don't have a great feel for that game. It's all going to be depend on emotionally how Southern Cal, how Lincoln Riley, how Caleb Williams has that team prepared to bounce back from what was an atrocious loss for that team. Um, because their whole identity, you know, I almost feel like losing to Arizona in overtime might not have been as bad. Because if they lose to Arizona in overtime in a high-scoring game, it's just, hey, they, that's their weakness, baby. If you can score points on them, you know, but but they're fun, and and nine times, you know, they were one field goal away from being undefeated. You know, if they can if they can lose to Arizona and then then beat Notre Dame, it's their identity. But to lose to Notre Dame because your identity was just shoved back in your face, yeah, you got this quarterback that can uh, fling the ball over the yard, but we're gonna catch three of those passes and we're gonna use those turnovers and to 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 run you out of the stadium. That, that's going to be tough for the voters to swallow. Washington has Arizona State, and UCLA has Stanford. Those are the late games on 1030. I, neither one of those games is going to be very interesting. Stanford is coming off that big win over Colorado. Um, I went to bed on that one, folks. It was last Friday night. I went to bed. I was like, well, Colorado's got this. It's 29 nothing at halftime. Somehow Colorado came back and – or Stanford came back and won that game. Um, so – Stanford, a lot of momentum going into the UCLA game. UCLA is still a pretty big favorite, 17 points. But uh, Stanford had themselves a night, or a half, really. They looked terrible in the first half. But that's kind of where we are. Um, let's look and see if we can see anything in the rankings or in the, the standings real quick. I think we're still too early to really – yeah, you know, uh, the, the ACC is starting to come to shape. you got three undefeated teams, Florida State, North Carolina, and Duke. Uh both of those teams, Florida State and North Carolina, both play Duke. I assume, yeah. Both of those teams play. Um, Duke, but they don't play each other. So that could be really interesting. Because we talked about before the season, you know, I had Clemson foolishly undefeated. And then you had Florida State and North Carolina, both is one-loss teams, and they don't play each other. So which one would get in, and it would come down to strength of schedule. But as is... Florida State and North Carolina will be favored in every game they've got left. Um, North Carolina has Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke, Clemson, and NC State. Clemson could ruin that. You know, I I said it last year. Part of the reason that I didn't wasn't very high on North Carolina is uh, Drake May didn't look great against Clemson last year. So maybe they have a handle on him and Clemson can can spoil that party. They, they almost spoiled Florida State's party. But I have to think North Carolina will be favored against Clemson. 
Florida State has Duke, and then they have Wake, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama is who I assume that is, UNA. Let's look. Yeah, that's the Lions. That's North Alabama. Um, And then they have Florida. Uh, I don't know that North Alabama is the Lions, but their logo is a lion. I just happen to know that because Mercer played them earlier this year. Um, So the ACC is shaping up a little bit because you've got Florida State and North Carolina are both undefeated and, and, and... I really think North Carolina is the only one of the two that has a real test left because of Riley Leonard's injury. The Big 12, you got half the conferences got one loss with Oklahoma sitting in the top, three losses. Big 10 is going to be who gets to lose to the winner. of There's a gauntlet between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, three top 10 teams. And then someone from the West, likely Iowa, is going to have to lose to one of those teams in the conference championship game in Indianapolis. Um. Let's go down to the Pac-12. Southern Cal still undefeated in conference play. Washington still undefeated in conference play. Um, and then a bunch of one-loss teams. So, so the interesting game in the Pac-12 remains Southern Cal. And if Southern Cal can get past uh, Utah, those two teams play each other on the 4th, Washington and Southern Cal, and then Southern Cal and Oregon play on the 11th. And those two weeks are really going to go a long way towards deciding who plays in the conference championship game. And then the SEC, Georgia is still uh, on top of the East. They've still got Florida, still got Missouri. Brock Bowers being out, that's a big deal for that offense. Um, We've seen little evidence for a lot of their big games this year that that offense can be wholly competent without having Brock Bowers as a weapon. They are getting Ladd McConkie back. That should help because he's been another kind of safety valve for that team. He's not as... um, Obviously not the dynamic athlete that, that Brock Bowers is. He doesn't have the size either. Um, but that does give them another weapon that they haven't had. So maybe we'll see a little bit better offense than what you might expect with Brock Bowers out. Uh, they do still have Florida. They still have Missouri. And they still have Tennessee. Those are the three teams that are right behind them with one loss. And Georgia hadn't played any of them. Um, so that, that's interesting. And Georgia still has to play Ole Miss. So the, the toughest part of their schedule is is still ahead. Um on the other side, Alabama, undefeated in conference play. All the talk early in the year about Alabama, by me and by others, about Alabama kind of falling off and, and being in a little bit of trouble. And therefore, no, they're at the top of the division. They do have LSU right behind them, and they still have to play LSU. LSU has the advantage. Almost nobody in the country has played five conference games. LSU only has three conference games left um, somehow. Of their last five games, only three of them are conference games because they play Georgia State and Army. So uh, they have the advantage that they don't have what a lot of teams will have where, you know, let's say uh, Tennessee is able to knock off Alabama on Saturday. Well, after that, they still have four conference games left. LSU, if they can knock off Alabama, they only got two conference games left. Um, so they don't have as many, as much room for a, on the schedule to have a um, – a fall-off game. So that works out good for them. But Ole Miss is still right there, and they have only played three conference games. They have all of their conference schedule ahead of them. Uh, Ole Miss is, is a very intriguing team to me because they do have the loss to Alabama because they just can't figure out how to beat Alabama. But they still have Auburn and then Vanderbilt and then Texas A&M, and then they close the season, and then they have Georgia. So they have... They have Georgia, but if they can beat Georgia, the rest of their schedule is easy enough that all of a sudden Ole Miss looks like a team that they can get some mistakes around them 
they can win that division and they can be in Atlanta. And if they've got the win over Georgia, and especially if that win over Georgia puts somebody else in the SEC championship game so they don't have to beat Georgia twice, Ole Miss seems like every year that I've done this podcast, I think this is the third season that I've done it, and every year Ole Miss is in this position in October and November where they're just like a couple of results away from getting into the SEC championship. Unfortunately for them, one result that could get them there a lot of times is if they could just figure out a way to play against Alabama the way they play against everybody else. So that's kind of my breakdown. Still too early to really get too much into those conference races and who's gonna who's in, in line for conference title spots and all that, but I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of where everybody stands. So a little bit longer episode this week. I, I went I went obviously long on the Southern Cal Notre Dame game. Um but I was super interested in that game and what it, what it could mean for college football. So hope everybody gets uh, gets a chance to watch some games this week. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. We're coming into the Halloween holiday and Halloween parties and, and all that. Be safe out there, and we'll talk again next week.